They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a hit bobbing finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It's part two of Handicapping the Breeders' Cup. We're going to take five of the races on the Saturday program and break them down for you. To do all nine would just become monotonous here on the podcast. And to do that, we welcome back two of our favorite handicappers who both happen to be in San Diego for the event. I'm quite jealous. We have with us the great Bobby Halt, freelance writer who also operates the New York Hot List Handicapping Service. And back with us as well is Ed DeRosa of the Brisnet Handicapping Service. Lady Eli will come to the outside. Antono is down the center. Rocarojo is set down to Lady Eli. Lady Eli has taken the lead. Dickinson is next. Rocarojo finishing fast on the outside. But it's the resilient Lady Eli winning the Boston Spa. What a heroine she is. The final career start for Lady Eli in the Philly and Mare Turf. What an incredible career she has had. Ten wins and 13 starts. Ed, does she go out a winner? I'm going to bet against her going out a winner. I, I just can't take the favorite uh, in a full competitive field. And, you know, I, I think there's some in here that are as good or better than Queen's Trust was when, you know, she upset Lady Eli last year. And a mile and an eighth is a little different than a mile and a quarter. So there's some dynamics, I think, that are in Lady Eli's favor. But at a short price, I just have to, to look look elsewhere. But, you know, as far as the cherry on top of her career, uh, it's already a, a hot fudge Sunday. And whether she w- wins or loses, what she's accomplished and coming back from the laminitis, et cetera, uh, a great story, a great filly. But this is an instance where she'll, she'll just have to win without me if she gets the job done as the chalk. Well, uh, you know, I think it's very hard when you get even you have to be you have to try to separate yourself from a lot of things when you're a writer. But when you get to kind of know the people, the horse around Lady Eli, this is where you say, maybe I'm going to put my money away. I'm just going to watch and see what happens, because it's almost impossible not to root for this horse. This is a horse who, for all intents and purposes, uh, should have uh, succumbed to laminitis, and she fought back. She is such a courageous horse. Uh, she always is right there. Even if she gets beat, she's going to get beat ahead of her nose. I think it's very tough to bet against her, uh, even on form. I mean, I think the form is there, too, that, that I think she's going to be sitting on a big race. And uh, looking back, even there, looking at the figures, looking at Queen's Trust, I, I don't know where she came from last year to win. The figures don't seem to show it. She doesn't look good again on the figure, so who knows? Uh, I, I don't see the Europeans as being extremely fast that they're going to beat her. The one that I think, and again, uh, and maybe it's from being in New York a lot that, that you, you you hear and see about the horses, uh, but I know uh, Grand Jete, the other Chad Brown horse, that horse has really kind of vexed him. She had a really tough trip in the Beverly D where she was probably tons the best, had some more trouble uh, last time out in the Flower Bowl. 
I, I think, you know, if you could get a good price on her, I, I think that's a horse who just might be the one to spring an upset. Yeah, Javier, I think, really wrangled her too much in the flower bowl. I don't know whether she would have won, but he just took all the energy out of her, and she faded to third. The European that I'm looking at here, Ed, and there are a number of them that are really good, Aiden O'Brien, 26 grade one wins this year, broke Bobby Frankel's record, and he's bringing Rhododendron. Now, she's got a tough post, but the best jockey in the world and Ryan Moore to work out a good trip. And I think coming from mid-pack, Rhododendron has a chance here. What do you think? Yeah, cer- certainly fits. Uh, I will say the the post is a big concern. And Ryan Moore, I agree with you, is is the best. Jose Ortiz would be the only other name I would entertain in that discussion. So, you know, she has the right jockey to maybe get the job done. Eight to one, I, I think, is fair. I'm, I mean, it's a competitive race, and since I'm trying to beat the favorite, I really wouldn't want to lose on O'Brien and more, but the the post is to me definitely a concern. And two of her last three wins have come on soft ground, so I wonder about the footing here too. Those are the reasons why I didn't end up going with her on top. But I, I agree with you; she she certainly fits. I will say, you know, to her outside, so to speak, because it's the AE list, so you know she she won't be on the outside of her uh, if she doesn't get in. Uh, but Kitten's Roar deserves to be in this race. I'm shocked that a stakes winner at Kentucky Downs, who finished second in a grade one last out, did not get a chance to run in this race. But if Kitten's Roar draws in, she's on every ticket of mine, and at, at 20 to 1 would, would be a big play. So look out for her if she draws in, but I, I don't love the outside. That's definitely a impediment to both her and Rhododendron. And it shows you how competitive this race is, Bob, that we haven't even mentioned Desita. Until now for Chad Brown, the winner of the Beverly D. We haven't even talked about her uh, because she, we've been talking about Lady Eli. Now, she's a closer, and you said this this course might not play to closers, but what do you think of DeCita here? DeCita certainly is another one. I mean, you certainly can't ignore. I mean, uh, she did win the Beverly D. Again, I'm not sure if she was the best horse in the Beverly D. I, I thought Grand Jete had the, had the better, had the rougher trip in that one. Decida then comes back and has that very wide trip in the flower ball and still just misses. I think this is the kind of race you want to look at the odds board, see how they do decide to play the race. And if you get Decida at 10 or 12 to one, uh, if, if she is ignored a little bit, I, I think you definitely have to respect her. And uh, again, I think she's a contender to get into the uh, trifecta. You remember, of course, the Breeders' Cup Classic of 93 when this little-known French bred named Arcong shocked the world at 133 to 1 in California. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but Gary Mandela and Mike Smith have this horse from Peru named Bertie Gold, who I could see stalking, getting a nice little trip, and Big Money Mike, is he knows how to win these big races. Wouldn't it be something if he just shocked all those huge names that we just mentioned. Let's move on to one of my favorite races every single year, although it's kind of diminished in value because of all of the others that go with it, and that is the sprint. Now you've got the Philly and Mare sprint as well, which, and, you know, and the Dirt Mile, which kind of take the upset special out of the Breeders' Cup sprint. But I still love the Breeders' Cup sprint. And away they go. On the inside, Dre Fong broke away. Oh, Dre Fong just unseated the rider. Dre Fong took a left-hand turn at the chute. He wanted to take a left-hand turn back to the barn, and he's dropped rider Mike Smith. Dre Fong is riderless. The question is, is Dre Fong going to pull the same antics at Del Mar that he did the last time he was at Del Mar? What do you think, Ed? To, to me, when he drew the 
the two, that was enough to, to oppose as the favorite. Uh, I'm not as strongly against him as I am Lady Eli, who definitely not using liberally by any means. Dreyfong certainly can win, but is I think who I think he'll be one of the shortest prices on the two days. And to me, getting that two hole and as you said, the the antics that he's been known for. And he's not he's as fast as some. I mean Imperial Hints last race was faster on, on some metrics and you're gonna get a better price. And I don't think the outside post hurts, you know, with that half basically three eight mile run into the far turn. So for me there there's enough intangibles that Dre Fong ended up with that is the favorite. I went in a different direction. Wow. I mean, I looked at this race and said, okay, can this horse's best race beat Trafong? Can this horse's best race beat Trafong? And the ones that I came up with were Roy H., Ransom the Moon, and Whitmore, that their best races could beat Trafong. Am I just approaching this the wrong way, Bob? No, I, I think when you look at, at a race like the sprint, you have the best sprinters around. Uh, a lot of it, again, is going to de- is going to depend on how the race shakes out. Uh, certainly, they're fast. I mean, I think if you look at Imperial Hint, if, if the race is based purely on speed figures, it's Imperial Hint is going to win. The question is, uh, is he going to handle Del Mar? Uh, how vigorously is he going to be pushed on the front end or the pace that he's going to be involved in? So there's a lot of factors going in that, that you're going to have to handicap. The one horse I, I feel kind of good about that, that I think will be right there it would be Roy H. I, I think if you go back to that race where we talked about with Dre Fong getting loose, kind of creating havoc in the, in the in the Bing Crosby, Roy H. took the worst of it and still ran a heck of a good race to finish second. Came back and won a grade one. After that, I, I think you, you can't knock anything that horse has done. And as I say, unlike Dre Fong, like as Ed said, who knows if he gets a little spooked, what he does. I think uh, Roy H. is probably going to uh, work out a real good trip from the A-post and definitely looks like one that you want to uh, you want to include. You know, Ransom the Moon, I think his fastest could also beat Trafong, but that Santa Anita Sprint Championship, even for the winner, did not get very good speed figures. And so even though he's 12 to 1, I, I don't even think that's really worth a value play. What about Whitmore? I mean, his best, I think, could be Trafong, but he hasn't shown it in a while, and he's a closer. What about Mind Your Biscuits, who was all the rage for a while, and now we're not even talking about him, winner of the Dubai Golden Shaheen. Do any of these horses have a chance here? Ed, what do you think? Well, Ransom the Moon, I definitely worry about maybe going in the wrong direction after a string of, of pretty good efforts in short succession in, in late spring, early summer. So I agree with you. Uh, even at an inflated price, he's one I'd probably let beat me. Whitmore, I, I just think is too slow. And uh, we, I always hate being so definitive about that. He wins a lot, but uh, his numbers just don't stack up to some of the top contenders we mentioned. And my net biscuits, I'd probably put in the Ransom the Moon category. Uh, went to Dubai and won, which is incredible. Came back and, and won, which not all horses do. But the Forgo, I mean, to me, we saw how he stacks up against Strayfong, and, and it wasn't well. So I would fade him at 6-1. to one. Uh, The fourth name I'll mention is Takaful, uh, who comes here for Kieran. And to me, it's, it's shades of Tamar Cruz in last year's Dirt Mile. I'm not going to sleep on Kieran with, with a horse like this coming into a race like this is not the favorite. 
Uh, he'd be easy to oppose if he was taking a bunch of money. Five to one seems value on me on, on a horse as a three-year-old who, you know, still can improve and might have the, the right race under his belt. He's not the most likely winner for me, but is those horses who are in that five to eight range after five to eight to one range after Imperial Hint, Tackleful definitely checks a lot of boxes for me that the others don't. We're going to go past the mile just because we don't want to get too laborious on this show. And we're going to move on to the juvenile. Always an interesting one to see who's not going to win the Kentucky Derby next year. Whoever wins this race, it's only happened once. Altdoro charges into the lead from Take the 101. They're followed by Soldamini, well clear of Zatter and encumbered, but Altdoro is forging clear. This is a high-caliber cult. We're witnessing the emergence of a star as Bolt Doro treats his rivals to a comprehensive walloping in the front runner. Scores by seven lengths. Even though he's only raced three times, Bolt Doro, who is clearly the favorite here, has shown that he can stalk, he can race mid-pack, he can get shuffled back and win. I just don't know how you beat him here. Does anybody have a chance to beat him here, Bob? Well, when you talk about it having a chance, everybody has a chance. So, so let's, you could look at it that way. That there are no sure things. But I would think of all the horses on the Breeders' Cup card, this is probably your best bet. I mean, this is a horse. He's done everything they wanted. He won powerfully last time. Even if he bounces off that last race, I think he's still good enough to win this race. Key thing is, he's a West Coast horse. He's already won twice at Del Mar. You don't know how the others are going to do. Maybe somebody who comes from the East is going to love it. You don't know. But but I, I would say right now, uh, I would put him down. If you're looking for the most likely favorite to win, it certainly would have to be him. What about Salamini, Ed? You know, Ahmed Zayad always gives Bob Baffert his best, and especially his best two-year-olds. And this horse has won a maiden race and finished second, albeit by a wide margin to Bolt Dioro, but his workouts since then have been really good, and I just wonder whether he's sneaky good in here. Uh, I, I think if you're against Bolt Dioro, he would be one you you definitely would say, okay, he could do it. If you're for Bolt Dioro, I wouldn't look to Salamini just for you know same reason I've, I've mentioned in other races. If you're on the favorite, I like to go a little deeper after that, but I agree with you, but I, I also agree with Bob that Bolt Dioro is probably the most likely winner of the two-day Breeders' Cup format with 13 races. It's shades of Uncle Mo for me. He's been so fast, so quick, and I know some people wait for the bottom to drop out on those types and you know bet against them at short prices every time, and eventually they are right. I just don't think this is going to be the time. Uh, I, I think he's in an Uncle Mo type position from that like 20 was that 2010. Breeders' Cup that he won at Churchill. He just looks like that kind, and I'm definitely backing him as the most likely winner. My alternative uh, would be Good Magic, Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz. This is one to me at eight to one that I'll play a little bit is the the, the upset special, and I'll I'll play him in exactly with Bolt Dioro. He, he looks like one third career start could could continue to improve being by Curlin. So uh, for me, Bolt Dioro, I'm with Bob, most likely winner of the, of the Breeders' Cup. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, it could be a huge Saturday potentially for trainer Aiden O'Brien from Ireland. He's already broken the record for most greater Group 1 wins in a year by a trainer, and he's absolutely loaded for Saturday's biggest races. What chance does he have? We'll get into that when Handicapping the Breeders' Cup continues. 
They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a hit bobbing finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It's part two of Handicapping the Breeders' Cup. We're going to take five of the races on the Saturday program and break them down for you. To do all nine would just become monotonous here on the podcast. And to do that, we welcome back two of our favorite handicappers who both happen to be in San Diego for the event. I'm quite jealous. We have with us the great Bobby Halt, freelance writer who also operates the New York Hot List Handicapping Service. And back with us as well is Ed DeRosa of the Brisnet Handicapping Service. Lady Eli will come to the outside. Antono is down the center. Rocarojo is set down to Lady Eli. Lady Eli has taken the lead. Dickinson is next. Rocarojo finishing fast on the outside. But it's the resilient Lady Eli winning the Boston Spa. What a heroine she is. The final career start for Lady Eli in the Philly and Mare Turf. What an incredible career she has had. Ten wins and 13 starts. Ed, does she go out a winner? I'm going to bet against her going out a winner. I, I just can't take the favorite uh, in a full competitive field. And, you know, I, I think there's some in here that are as good or better than Queen's Trust was when, you know, she upset Lady Eli last year. And a mile and an eighth is a little different than a mile and a quarter. So there's some dynamics, I think, that are in Lady Eli's favor. But at a short price, I just have to, to look look elsewhere. But, you know, as far as the cherry on top of her career, uh, it's already a, a hot fudge Sunday. And whether she w- wins or loses, what she's accomplished and coming back from the laminitis, et cetera, uh, a great story, a great filly. But this is an instance where she'll, she'll just have to win without me if she gets the job done as the chalk. Well, you know, I think it's very hard when you get even you have to be you have to try to separate yourself from a lot of things when you're a writer. But when you get to kind of know the people, the horse around Lady Eli, this is where you say, maybe I'm going to put my money away. I'm just going to watch and see what happens, because it's almost impossible not to root for this horse. This is a horse who, for all intents and purposes, uh, should have uh, succumbed to laminitis, and she fought back. She is such a courageous horse. Uh, she always is right there. Even if she gets beat, she's going to get beat ahead of her nose. I think it's very tough to bet against her, uh, even on form. I mean, I think the form is there, too, that, that I think she's going to be sitting on a big race. And uh, looking back, even there, looking at the figures, looking at Queen's Trust, I, I don't know where she came from last year to win. The figures don't seem to show it. She doesn't look good again on the figure, so who knows? Uh, I, I don't see the Europeans as being extremely fast that they're going to beat her. The one that I think, and again, uh, and maybe it's from being in New York a lot that, that you, you you hear and see about the horses, uh, but I know uh, Grand Jete, the other Chad Brown horse, that horse has really kind of vexed him. She had a really tough trip in the Beverly D where she was probably tons the best, had some more trouble uh, last time out in the Flower Bowl. 
I think, you know, if you could get a good price on her, I, I think that's a horse who just might be the one to spring an upset. Yeah, Javier, I think, really wrangled her too much in the flower bowl. I don't know whether she would have won, but he just took all the energy out of her and she faded to third. The European that I'm looking at here, Ed, and there are a number of them that are really good, Aiden O'Brien, 26 grade one wins this year, broke Bobby Frankel's record, and he's bringing Rhododendron. Now, she's got a tough post, but the best jockey in the world and Ryan Moore to work out a good trip. And I think coming from mid-pack, Rhododendron has a chance here. What do you think? Yeah, cer- certainly fits. Uh, I will say the the post is a big concern. And Ryan Moore, I agree with you, is is the best. Jose Ortiz would be the only other name I would entertain in that discussion. So, you know, she has the right jockey to maybe get the job done. Eight to one, I, I think, is fair. I'm, I mean, it's a competitive race, and since I'm trying to beat the favorite, I really wouldn't want to lose on O'Brien and more, but the, the post is, to me, definitely a concern. And two of her last three wins have come on soft ground, so I wonder about the footing here, too. Those are the reasons why I didn't end up going with her on top, but I, I agree with you. See, she certainly fits. I will say, you know, to her outside, so to speak, because it's the AE list, so, you know, she, she won't be on the outside of her uh, if she doesn't get in. Uh, but Kitten's Roar deserves to be in this race. I'm shocked that a stakes winner at Kentucky Downs, who finished second in a grade one last out, did not get a chance to run in this race. But if Kitten's Roar draws in, she's on every ticket of mine, and at, at 20 to 1 would, would be a big play. So look out for her if she draws in, but I, I don't love the outside. That's definitely a impediment to both her and R- Rhododendron. And it shows you how competitive this race is, Bob, that we haven't even mentioned Desita. Until now for Chad Brown, the winner of the Beverly D. We haven't even talked about her uh, because she, we've been talking about Lady Eli. Now, she's a closer, and you said this this course might not play to closers, but what do you think of DeCita here? DeCita certainly is another one. I mean, you certainly can't ignore. I mean, uh, she did win the Beverly D. Again, I'm not sure if she was the best horse in the Beverly D. I, I thought Grand Jete had the, had the better, had the rougher trip in that one. Desita then comes back and has that very wide trip in the flower ball and still just misses. I think this is the kind of race you want to look at the odds board, see how they do decide to play the race. And if you get Desita at 10 or 12 to one, uh, if if she is ignored a little bit, I I think you definitely have to respect her. And uh, again, I think she's a contender to get into the uh, trifecta. You remember, of course, the Breeders' Cup Classic of 93 when this little-known French bred named Arkong shocked the world at 133-1 to in California. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but Gary Mandela and Mike Smith have this horse from Peru named Bertie Gold, who I could see stalking, getting a nice little trip, and Big Money Mike, is he knows how to win these big races. Wouldn't it be something if he just shocked all those huge names that we just mentioned. Let's move on to one of my favorite races every single year, although it's kind of diminished in value because of all of the others that go with it, and that is the sprint. Now you've got the Philly and Mare sprint as well, which, and, you know, and the Dirt Mile, which kind of take the upset special out of the Breeders' Cup sprint. But I still love the Breeders' Cup sprint. And away they go. On the inside, Dre Fong broke away. Oh, Dre Fong just unseated the rider. Dre Fong took a left-hand turn at the chute. He wanted to take a left-hand turn back to the barn, and he's dropped rider Mike Smith. Dre Fong is riderless. The question is, is Dre Fong going to pull the same antics at Del Mar that he did the last time he was at Del Mar? What do you think, Ed? To, to me, when he drew the, 
the two, that was enough to, to oppose as the favorite. Uh, I'm not as strongly against him as I am Lady Eli, who definitely not using liberally by any means. Dreyfong certainly can win, but is I think who I think he'll be one of the shortest prices on the two days. And to me, getting that two hole and as you said, the the antics that he's been known for, and he's not he's as fast as some. I mean, Imperial Hints last race was faster on on some metrics, and you're going to get a better price. And I don't think the outside post hurts, you know, with that half basically three eight mile run into the far turn. So for me, there there's enough intangibles that Dreyfong ended up with that is the favorite. I went in a different direction. Wow. I mean, I looked at this race and said, okay, can this horse's best race beat Trafong? Can this horse's best race beat Trafong? And the ones that I came up with were Roy H., Ransom the Moon, and Whitmore, that their best races could beat Trafong. Am I just approaching this the wrong way, Bob? No, I I think when you look at at a race like the sprint, you have the best sprinters around. Uh, a lot of it, again, is going to de- is going to depend on how the race shakes out. Uh, certainly, they're fast. I mean, I think if you look at Imperial Hint, if, if the race is based purely on speed figures, it's Imperial Hint is going to win. The question is, uh, is he going to handle Del Mar? Uh, how vigorously is he going to be pushed on the front end or the pace that he's going to be involved in? So there's a lot of factors going in that, that you're going to have to handicap. The one horse I, I feel kind of good about that, that I think will be right there it would be Roy H. I, I think if you go back to that race where we talked about with Dre Fong getting loose, kind of creating havoc in the, in the in the Bing Crosby, Roy H. took the worst of it and still ran a heck of a good race to finish second. Came back and won a grade one. After that, I, I think you, you can't knock anything that horse has done. And as I say, unlike Dre Fong, like as Ed said, who knows if he gets a little spooked, what he does. I think uh, Roy H. is probably going to uh, work out a real good trip from the A-post and definitely looks like one that you want to uh, you want to include. You know, Ransom the Moon, I think his fastest could also beat Trafong, but that Santa Anita Sprint Championship, even for the winner, did not get very good speed figures. And so even though he's 12 to 1, I, I don't even think that's really worth a value play. What about Whitmore? I mean, his best, I think, could be Trafong, but he hasn't shown it in a while, and he's a closer. What about Mind Your Biscuits, who was all the rage for a while, and now we're not even talking about him, winner of the Dubai Golden Shaheen. Do any of these horses have a chance here? Ed, what do you think? Well, Ransom the Moon, I definitely worry about maybe going in the wrong direction after a string of, of pretty good efforts in short succession in, in late spring, early summer. So I agree with you. Uh, even at an inflated price, he's one I'd probably let beat me. Whitmore, I, I just think is too slow. And uh, we, I always hate being so definitive about that. And He wins a lot, but uh, his numbers just don't stack up to some of the top contenders we mentioned. And mind that biscuits, I'd probably put in the ransom the moon category. Uh, went to Dubai and won, which is incredible. Came back and and won, which not all horses do. But the Forgo, I mean, to me, we saw how he stacks up against Strayfong, and and it wasn't well. So I would fade him at six to one. Uh, the fourth name I'll mention is Takaful, uh, who comes here for Kieran and to me it's it's shades of Tamar Cruz in last year's dirt mile I'm not going to sleep on Kieran with with a horse like this coming into a race like this is not the favorite 
Uh, he'd be easy to oppose if he was taking a bunch of money. Five to one seems value on me on, on a horse as a three-year-old who, you know, still can improve and might have the, the right race under his belt. He's not the most likely winner for me, but is those horses who are in that five to eight range after five to eight to one range after Imperial Hint, Tackleful definitely checks a lot of boxes for me that the others don't. We're going to go past the mile just because we don't want to get too laborious on this show. And we're going to move on to the juvenile. Always an interesting one to see who's not going to win the Kentucky Derby next year. Whoever wins this race, it's only happened once. Outdoor Road charges into the lead from Take the 101. They're followed by Soldamini, well clear of Zatta and Encumbered, but Boltdoro is forging clear. This is a high-caliber cult. We're witnessing the emergence of a star as Boltdoro treats his rivals to a comprehensive walloping in the front runner. Scores by seven lengths. Even though he's only raced three times, Bolt Dioro, who is clearly the favorite here, has shown that he can stalk, he can race mid-pack, he can get shuffled back and win. I just don't know how you beat him here. Does anybody have a chance to beat him here, Bob? Well, when you talk about it having a chance, everybody has a chance. So, so let's, you could look at it that way. There are no sure things. But I would think of all the horses on the Breeders' Cup card, this is probably your best bet. I mean, this is a horse. He's done everything they wanted. He won powerfully last time. Even if he bounces off that last race, I think he's still good enough to win this race. Key thing is, he's a West Coast horse. He's already won twice at Del Mar. You don't know how the others are going to do. Maybe somebody who comes from the East is going to love it. You don't know. But but I, I would say right now, uh, I would put him down if you're looking for the most likely favorite to win, it certainly would have to be him. What about Salamini? And, you know, Ahmed Zayad always gives Bob Baffert his best, and especially his best two-year-olds. And this horse has won a maiden race and finished second, albeit by a wide margin to Bolt Dioro. But his workouts since then have been really good. And I just wonder whether he's sneaky good in here. Uh, I, I think if you're against Bolt Dioro, he would be one you you definitely would say, okay, he could do it. If you're for Bolt Dioro, I wouldn't look to Salamini just for you know same reason I've, I've mentioned in other races. If you're on the favorite, I like to go a little deeper after that. But I agree with you, but I, I also agree with Bob that Bolt Dioro is probably the most likely winner of the two-day Breeders' Cup format with 13 races. It's shades of Uncle Mo for me. He's been so fast, so quick, and I know some people wait for the bottom to drop out on those types and, you know, bet against them at short prices every time, and eventually they are right. I just don't think this is going to be the time. Uh, I, I think he's in an Uncle Mo type position from that, like, 20, was that 2010 Breeders' Cup that he won at Churchill. He just looks like that kind, and I'm definitely backing him as the most likely winner. My alternative uh, would be good magic. Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz. This is one to me at eight to one that I'll play a little bit is the the, the upset special and I'll I'll play him in exactives with Bolt Dioro. He, he looks like one third career start could could continue to improve being by Curlin. So uh, for me, Bolt Dioro, I'm with Bob, most likely winner of the of the Breeders Cup. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, it could be a huge Saturday potentially for trainer Aiden O'Brien from Ireland. He's already broken the record for most greater Group 1 wins in a year by a trainer, and he's absolutely loaded for Saturday's biggest races. What chance does he have? We'll get into that when Handicapping the Breeders' Cup continues. <laughs> 